Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're focused on finding balance, being flexible and quick to pivot to secure footing as we strive to ride the waves of constant change. You've heard it before. The only thing consistent is change. It feels like every error and generation have claimed the same. Some change is good, necessary, and timely. Some change happens without warning or reason. Sometimes we're making the change necessary or impulsive, and other times it's change we neither asked for or wanted. Why all the changes? Socrates said, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Well, the secret isn't always as plain and obvious or easy. How do you embrace change? Or maybe I should ask, are you able to easily embrace change or is rejection your go-to? Let's talk about this subject and look at change from several different angles. Why? Why now? how to roll with the punches, and even how to be satisfied with gratitude and acceptance. When I look at change professionally and personally, I see vast differences and then some similarities and patterns. Professionally, I work in technology, so change is a must and basically out of our control. Dog years is multiplying their age by seven, A 10-year-old dog is roughly the same age as a 70-year-old person. A technology year could be more like 20 human years. Your 3-year-old computer could be more like a 60-year-old person. Think about software companies and the pressure to stay current, like a rock star trying to stay on top with another hit record. Companies who sell technology are feeling the same pressure, to stay relevant, capture more of the market, pay back investors, go, go, go. Personally, I would like to say I'm a creature of habit. However, if you talk to my family or friends, they would say I'm constantly evolving. I do like a good routine though. I find comfort in the familiar and predictable. As much as I like adventure, I enjoy some elements of predictability. Shanna Monsell Johnson shares the three keys to navigating change and landing on your feet, found at developmentcrossroads.com. I understand how uncomfortable, confusing, and yucky change can be. Yet, it's not so much the change itself that's uncomfortable, but the process of transition. Change has to do with circumstances. Transition is the internal shift that we make in response to the change. As we let go of how things used to be and adjust ourselves to the way things are now. Let's talk about the three phases of transition as identified by noted author and expert William Bridges. These are endings, the neutral zone, and beginnings. We'll look at each of these three phases and what we can do in each one to navigate change well and land on our feet. So let's start with endings. It's about identifying the losses. 
Often changes are good, yet even when we welcome a change, endings can be difficult because there are losses associated with them. For example, if you're promoted to manager at work, you may be excited about greater levels of responsibility, higher pay, and new challenges. However, you must also let go of a few things, like the camaraderie of your former teammates who now report to you, the content of work you used to do, which you were pretty good at and enjoyed, the habit of working certain work hours, which may be greatly expanded with the new managerial role, and the feeling of competence you get from doing your former work, which was familiar and satisfying. Focusing solely on your new role as manager without first acknowledging that you're giving up something else in this transition may create problems for you later on. In fact, after 30 years of studying change and transition, William Bridges points out that the failure to identify and get ready for endings and losses is the largest difficulty for people in transition. When you find yourself grappling with an ending, says Bridges, Here are some things that you can ask yourself. Now that this change has occurred, what old ways of doing things must I give up? What have I lost? What needs do I have that will no longer be met? How can I meet those needs in other ways? Because of this change, what parts of myself and the way I see myself are now out of date? How can I grieve these losses? What can I do to symbolically say goodbye? Acknowledging the losses and creating a way to symbolically or ritually let go of them can help us to end well and move on to the next phase of transition, the neutral zone. Have you experienced an ending before a new beginning? What have you let go of? What are you struggling with right now to let go of? It's time to let be. The neutral zone as defined by William Bridges is an in-between time when the old is gone, but the new hasn't fully become operational. It's a state of limbo where it feels there is nothing to hold on to. The old ways don't work anymore, yet the new ways don't feel right either. Say you recently got promoted to manager at work. The promotion may have already gone into effect, but you don't quite feel comfortable in your new role yet. You can't go back to your old job and the way things were, yet your new position doesn't feel natural either. You're still feeling your way in the dark. And it's not just because you're learning new skills, knowledge, or approaches. It's because you have shed one identity and have yet to fully take on the new one. So here are some analogies of that neutral zone. See if these sound familiar. A caterpillar turns into a chrysalis before emerging as a butterfly. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years before entering the promised land. A trapeze artist must let go of one trapeze, fly through the empty space, and then grab a hold of another one. Neutral zone is not a very comfortable place, which is why most of us try to rush through this phase of transition. We just want to get on with things. However, the neutral zone is the heart of transition. 
Like when a seed is underground, waiting to germinate, there doesn't seem to be much going on, but it's a very fertile and important time. This is where the questioning, growth, learning, formation, courage, creativity, and risk-taking happens. When you're in the neutral zone, the task at hand is to let be. For many of us, this doesn't come naturally and doesn't feel comfortable. So here are 10 ways you can make the most of the neutral zone. Number one, shift your attitude by reminding yourself that this is a time of reorienting and redefining yourself, not a time of meaningless waiting, even if it doesn't look like it from where you stand right now. Number two, Readjust your expectations and accept that this will be a less productive time for you, which may bear results much later. Number three, to the extent possible, limit additional changes in your life, work, or environment. Number four, expect that you may feel some uncomfortable emotions, fear, confusion, even despair. Number five, Take time to be alone on a regular basis. Number six, get creative. The neutral zone can be a good time to question, experiment, brainstorm, and try new things. Number seven, set some short-term achievable goals to give yourself a sense of accomplishment and forward momentum. Number eight, track your progress by journaling, going on a retreat, checking in with a friend or a coach regularly, or merely giving yourself time to reflect. Number nine, resist the urge to skip this phase of transition and press prematurely for certainty or closure before you're really ready. And number 10, survive it. It may not feel like it, but you will live through this and come out on the other side. So how about you? Have you experienced some time in the neutral zone? What helped you get through it? What were the rewards? Did you know that you can start something long before truly beginning it? Starts involve new situations and external circumstances. Beginnings are about internal developments, new understandings, new attitudes, new identities. Change expert William Bridges writes that beginnings take place when people are ready to make the emotional commitment to do things the new way and see themselves as new people. Starts occur on a set schedule. An organization may announce effective, fill in the date, the new change will take place. Yet no amount of announcements, edicts, or pronouncements can hurry people into beginnings. Beginnings don't follow a prescribed timetable. You may start working as a newly promoted manager without first having the internal shift to seeing your identity as such. You may still be in the neutral zone, and that's okay, healthy even. Bridges, who has studied change for more than 30 years, writes, most beginnings abort because they were not preceded by well-managed endings and neutral zones. When beginnings finally come, we often feel ambivalent about them. We're sick and tired of wandering the desert of the neutral zone. So a beginning is a welcome relief. Yet beginnings can also be scary because they can require us to step up and make a commitment. 
remind us of all the anxieties associated with the ending, make the ending seem that much more final, require us to take a risk. We may not succeed in this new endeavor, this new identity. While there's no magic formula to produce a new beginning, here are some things we can do to nurture new beginnings. Understand the transition process and where you are in it. Is this really a beginning or are you just trying to rush through the neutral zone? Be aware of what you're attracted to. A sense of being attracted to an idea or activity is often the sign of a tuck out of the neutral zone and into a new beginning. Envision the desired goal and begin to identify yourself with the final result of the new beginning. What will it feel like when you've actually done whatever it is that you're setting out to do? Think of yourself as a person who does X, even if you haven't yet done X. Be patient as the beginning unfolds. The kind of shift in identity that a new beginning entails does not occur overnight. Where have you experienced a new beginning? What helped you to land on your feet as you navigated change? I like to use RE, the letters RE, RE, in front of words like engineer, modify, visit, try, etc. To me, it describes continuous forward motion. Sure, it didn't work the first time, but you didn't stop. You didn't take a break or even give up. You might have taken a thoughtful pause to reassess, see, there it is again, and then relaunched a new attempt. Hitting a hole-in-one is much more rare than hitting the nail on the head, but you get the point. Some things take multiple approaches before you can call it quits. You know that frustrating feeling when you don't get something on the first attempt? Multiply that by 5,126 because that's the number of failed prototypes Sir James Dyson went through over the course of 15 years before creating the eponymous best-selling bagless vacuum cleaner that led to a net worth of $4.5 billion. In what might be once the most discouraging statement and worst teaching practice of all time, Thomas Edison was told by his teachers He was too stupid to learn anything. Edison went on to hold more than 1,000 patents, including the phonograph and practical electric lamp. Want to achieve success? Let Albert Einstein inspire you. His name is synonymous with intelligence, yet it wasn't always that way for Albert Einstein. As a child, he didn't start speaking until the age of four, reading until he was seven, and was thought to be mentally handicapped. Change happens, but rolling with the change, picking yourself up and redirecting your focus can make all the difference. Hope Gillette enlightens us on why change is the only constant and how to embrace it found at psychcentral.com. The only constant is change is a statement that portrays how life and everything in it is subject to transformation. Learning how to adapt is key to your overall well-being. Change is all around us. Some change is fixed, like the shift of one season to another, while other change is evolutionary and progressive, tossing new circumstances our way as time goes on. It's natural to dislike change. 
It often requires you to come out of your comfort zone and security. But adaptability, the process of reinventing your behaviors, thoughts, and emotions, can be a key protective feature in mental health. Ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus observed that the natural world was in a constant state of movement. People age, develop habits, and move environments. You can't step into the same river twice. Even rocks were subject to change by the elements over time. He called this universal law the change of logos and tied to it three central beliefs known as his flux doctrine. Everything undergoes constant change. There's unification of opposites. The opposite of something can only exist because the change in the original. Everything exists and doesn't exist at the same time. Matter can change forms, so the object no longer exists, but the original substance does. The irony in all of this, as his statement implies, is that the only thing that will never change is the presence of change itself. How can you embrace and cultivate adaptability? You don't have to love change to be able to embrace it, and small adjustments can make change less painful in the long term. So start out by finding your people. Kate Schroeder, a licensed professional counselor from St. Louis, Missouri, suggests finding and surrounding yourself with people who can support you through change. The number one way to improve adaptability is to find a supportive network that you can both learn from and lean into throughout your life, and the transitions that are certain to unfold will unfold naturally. Become self-aware. Have you ever asked yourself why change feels uncomfortable? Getting in tune with why you may resist change can be helpful, says Dr. Jen Hardy, a licensed psychologist from Maryville, Tennessee. When we recognize that it comes from our temperament or difficult experiences earlier in life, then we can approach ourselves with more compassion. Acknowledging stress as a sign of change. Hardy adds that the stress can make you feel as though change is impossible, but it's often a sign it might be time. Maybe you don't even need to talk to someone about stress. You may already know the parts of your life that are in need of an adjustment. Let this be your sign to start dealing with them. Writing out the positives. Consider the ways that change may be beneficial for you or those around you, advises Hallie M. Thomas, a licensed marriage and family therapist associate from Portland, Oregon. It can be helpful to actually write this out or as a list that you can see on paper. What happens when you can't adapt to change? Adaptability can be an important predictor of resilience in life. Being unable to accept change can have serious implications for a person's relationship to themselves and to those around them. For those who are unable to accept change, They can find themselves feeling stuck in their life or in their relationships. Thomas says, at its worst, the feeling of being stuck can increase anxiety, depression, and substance use. Adaptability is how you modify your feelings and behaviors in the face of uncertainty. While it may not be comfortable to shift out of the known and into the unknown, 
Change isn't going away just because you're resistant to it. As we've heard, lots of change can equal lots of stress. How does it feel in your world? For me, when things start to pile up and I get this sense of being overwhelmed, I believe there's a breakthrough about to happen. Yep, I feel like the storm is right before the calm. All the pushing and pulling is to help me move into a new season, a season of change. Maybe that will give you a new way of looking at it yourself. What could you be getting ready for while you organize and overcome the stressors? Brianna Wiest gives us 10 things you'll start to feel when a big life change is around the corner, found at medium.com. Sometimes when our lives are about to change, we can sense it before we can see it. These are a few of the experiences you might have right before a massive shift takes place. You'll start to phase out of denial. When we're really stuck in life, denial is the shield we use to protect ourselves from the panic of acknowledging everything that's wrong because we don't yet have the confidence to believe we can fix it. When we're approaching a big life change, What we're really coming up on is the tipping point at which we're finally ready to reconcile what's been off for a pretty long time. This means that you're going to be phasing out of denial and into anger, regret, remorse, and even sadness. These are feelings you've had pent up for a really long time that you probably feel safe enough to release now because you know the story is changing, your life is adjusting, and it really needed to be this way all along. We don't snap out of denial one day. We slowly come out of it in phases, and eventually we arrive at acceptance that we weren't happy before. You'll look back at the choices that led you here. Big life changes are often a time for reflection. It's when we realize that we're moving from one chapter to the next, that we often stop to take stock of what happened in our story prior, and how that contributed to where we are now. More than anything, we start to become more self-aware. We begin to recognize why we ended up where we did. We begin to think about the choices that led us to where we currently stand and how we might need to choose differently if we want a different outcome in the future. Whether you're proud of what you've done or regretful, either way, this reflection process gleans a lot of important wisdom for moving forward. You'll get clear on what you really want. The process of getting out of denial is also the process of getting into alignment. When you acknowledge what you do not want, you can't help but identify its opposite, what you do want. You might discover that realizing what you want is not an inspiring process, quite the opposite in fact. You might arrive at these conclusions from a place of anger, regret, and total exasperation. You might realize that you've been denying yourself even the ability to recognize what you want, let alone pursue it wholeheartedly. Regardless of how you arrive, what's important is that you can no longer neglect what you truly desire. And that's a good thing, even if it's uncomfortable in the process. 
you'll shed everything that you no longer want to carry. You might find yourself physically releasing what's around you. You might clean out your closets and the clothes that no longer suit you. You might grow through your belongings and go deep into a purge. You might change where you live, stop talking to some friends and connect with others, and so on and so forth. This is a subconscious way of making your outer world align with what's happening throughout your inner world. Deep down, you know you're moving on, so you can't do so with all the weight of the past keeping you stuck. You'll address other long-standing issues. When you heal one part of your life, it tends to radiate out and touch all of the others. Maybe you're getting out of a denial regarding the city you're living in, or the type of work that you do, or the long-term viability of a relationship. In the process, you might find yourself wanting to address other things that you've been bothered by for a long time. When we improve or elevate one part of our lives, the others that remain unhealed begin to stand out more starkly in comparison. Just remember to take it one thing at a time and not totally overwhelm yourself. You can both acknowledge what needs to change while doing it at a safe pace. Things will start to come full circle. With all of this revelation and change happening, you might find yourself having a full circle ending. Maybe you kind of always had a hunch about what you're doing now. Maybe you're accepting parts of yourself that have existed all along, though you've been in denial of them. Maybe you're realizing that you kind of always deep down knew what you know now, even though you tried to avoid it. Maybe you're finally coming to terms with what you wanted all along. Maybe you can't remember yourself saying, I've always wanted to live there. Maybe you're finally realizing that the work that comes most effortlessly to you is always what you were meant to be doing. Maybe you're recognizing that you knew your relationship was a dead end from the very beginning, but you pursued it anyway. No matter what's shifting or what revelations are occurring, you might find that you're sort of ending where you started, and it's really more comforting than you imagined. You'll rediscover your sense of self. A natural side effect of recognizing what you do and do not want in your life is likewise realizing who you are and are not. In this process, you might find that you're discovering a stronger and clearer sense of self. You know what you want, you know what you're good at, and you know what you want to experience. You're adjusting who you are on the outside to better reflect who you know you are on the inside, and it's a bittersweet process. While it can be a pretty hard ego hit to accept that you haven't been the person you want to be, it's quickly released in favor of the feeling of finally being truer to yourself, which is invaluable and irreplaceable. You're realizing that you're worthy of a life you want, and you've always been. You'll start to feel deep inner peace. Through all the periods of clearing stored emotions, getting out of denial, and embracing who you are, you'll find the glimpses of deep inner peace and become more normal. This will be different than being excited or energized because this sense is really the feeling that you're finally where you're supposed to be, 
not anxious that you'll never arrive and that you don't deserve to. You're starting to sense that you're showing up in the moment and the way that you want to be. And it's life-changing. You'll start to have long-term clarity. The funny thing about figuring out what you want in the moment is that it often lends itself to the bigger picture too. You might find yourself realizing what you want long-term or what your life might look like. This might have been completely foreign to you just a short while ago, but now you're becoming more comfortable with who you are and what you want. It's easier to see ahead, and that's something you can take comfort in. You'll let go with gratitude and step in with grace. Periods of transition can be tough, but when you're ready, really ready, you'll know how to let go with gratitude and step in with grace. What this means is, is that you'll be thankful for everything you've experienced, including each misstep and mistake. From each, you learn something invaluable, and for that, you won't really regret it. Then you'll step in with the same sense of appreciation. You'll take the first strides into your new chapter with a feeling of ease and awe because you know what it's like to live out of alignment with who you are. And you'll never forget how good it feels to finally be on the other side. Are you ready for a change? Really ready? Maybe your life has been on autopilot and your day-to-day has lost a little meaning. Let's fix that. Make a commitment right now to open up your heart and your mind to change. Look around your world. Sounds dumb, but so many times we keep our heads down and just muddle along, not really in touch with the world around us. Look up. Where do you want to go? And what do you want to do? When you aren't ready for change, it's the only thing you see. But when you are finally ready, you might hear crickets. No worries. It's time to set out on your own venture looking for change. Could be life-changing change or just simple change of habit, people, places, or things. You're in charge. And for those who can't seem to settle and the desire for change is constant, well, we've got something for you too. I wanted to know why we're always looking to change, and I found it at paystubsnow.com, believe it or not. Better opportunity. Why we're always looking for a change. Throughout history, human beings have had a firm belief that the grass is greener on the other side. And this belief has been a driving force for change in life and a search for better opportunity. However, this isn't the only way that people encounter change. Let's discuss why people choose change, as well as how unwanted change might occur and how to handle it when it does. So why do people look for change? Often it's because they're not happy with their current situation. If we feel like our current situation may not be the best option, then we're motivated to look elsewhere and find a better alternative. People who are unhappy with their lives might try to change things by altering their habits, beliefs, and outlook on life. Sometimes this might involve going back to school, quitting a corporate job, or making a big move to a new place. Unfortunately, most people don't even know what they're looking for in life. 
We may not know what we want, but we know it isn't what we have right now. Psychologists call this existential angst. This can lead to an endless cycle of change that usually doesn't produce the happiness that we're looking for. To make the most out of life, it's important to find out what you really want from it. Then you can start to make decisions about your future rather than just reacting to what's going on around you. This may take the form of changing jobs, starting a new business, building a relationship with a mentor or partner, and more. Once you know what you want, you'll be able to move towards something rather than away from something. You might move towards new memories or new connections with people, animals, places, or things. Some people just have a sensation-seeking personality. This personality trait can be defined as a propensity for novelty-seeking and intense sensations, either experienced from thrill-seeking or from social and intellectual exploration. Essentially, people who have this tendency are constantly looking for new ways to experience different things and new ideas and information to process. These people also seem to have trouble handling long periods of boredom or monotony, which is why it's no wonder they're constantly finding themselves looking for change. Sensation seekers are happier when they're experiencing new things. They also tend to have higher levels of energy, lower levels of depression, less negative effectivity, and higher agreeableness than those who do not share this trait. These are the kind of people who are likely to choose a travel-related job or a job working with a lot of new people each day. A downside of this personality trait is that those affected by it are often seen as more susceptible than others when faced with ethical dilemmas or engaging in risky behavior. This is because monotony feels uncomfortable to them, so they might struggle with maintaining stability in relationships, jobs, and decisions. What if you looked at the problem from a different perspective? Have you taken the time to define your professional goals and better opportunities? Have you developed a professional development plan that covers the steps you believe are required to accomplish your objectives? Consider another reason you might want to leave your job. You're bored and you want to pursue something more challenging. You may believe that this issue is beyond your managers and your control because, after all, it's your job, right? Wrong. Have you told your boss you're bored? and offered them examples of projects and jobs you'd like to take on to widen your experience and give you a better opportunity? When it comes to assigning tasks to direct employees, managers typically have a decent degree of leeway. Taking the time to discuss this with your manager may improve your situation. What you learn by staying in a job sometimes outweighs what you would have learned by quitting and looking for a new career. Instead of running away from the situation, you may benefit more from working through it. If you believe you're underpaid, try to resolve the situation before seeking another job. Gather pay information as well as a list of all of your specific projects and tasks, and then meet with your boss for a discussion. If you wish to gain new skills or improve your deficiencies, Check with your boss to see if there might be money in the budget for you to take some additional training. If your long drive to work is affecting your quality of life, talk to your manager about working from home a few days of the week. What about when you don't choose change? 
but change chooses you. People can't control everything around them. Things like injury or sickness may come unexpectedly. You may have to move to a different area after getting relocated, or you might lose your job because of economic shifts that led your company to downsize. This type of change can be extremely stressful, and sometimes it can create anxiety type of symptoms for those who experience it because it's often beyond our control and we can't predict what's going to happen next. These kind of changes often require a person to take a drastic adjustment in their life that they had not planned for. You might need to let go of something valuable to you and get pushed outside of your comfort zone. Change also makes a person feel lost because it takes away their old routine. People may sometimes fear change because they're comfortable in their current life. Even though life might not be fulfilling or happy, at least it's familiar. And what if change ends up making things worse? These are understandable reasons to feel afraid and anxious about change. It's important to remember that there are so many good things about change in life. It can make us appreciative of what we have and reminds us that there's more out there than our current situation. With change comes new perspectives. Having fresh opinions, meeting new people, and gaining access to new and better opportunities. It can help us learn who we really are and what we really value in life. Every human being has ups and downs within their life. All people have things they're grateful for and some things they regret, as well as anxieties and fears about the future, which can be debilitating at times, even if we're happy with our lives overall. This is where you can benefit from talking with someone. It can help to sort through some of these emotions, and you can identify what drove you to your current circumstance. Remember, keep a positive attitude. Regardless of the new situation and better opportunity, it's critical to remain positive and have a positive attitude at work. Having a good attitude means you can help your team members who are also going through this transition. And it shows a leadership team that you're eager to adjust. Keep an open mind and make changes that benefit you. Change in the job can be intimidating and leave you feeling lost. When your environment changes, it's natural for some of your career objectives to shift. This can help you alter your focus and set you on a new path to attain your goals. Rather than refusing to handle unwanted change, it's often healthier to accept that which we cannot change. Instead, you can focus on what you can and what you want to do next with the options that you have. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, embrace change, whether you're currently consumed by it or you're desperately seeking it. Steady yourself and take control so you're riding the wave versus being pulled under. I know you can do it. I'm
Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.